Hello, and welcome to Enterprise Endpoint Experts Podcast, E-Cubed. I'm your co-host, Bill Burnett, and with me today is your other co-host, Amy Casto. Good afternoon, Amy. Hey, Bill. How's it going? Uh, I'm doing great. So our guest, our topic today is third-party patching, and our guest is Duncan. And before we say his last name, uh, we're going to say it incorrectly. Uh, so today, our, our guest is Duncan McLean. <laughs> Uh, not quite right there, Bill, but nice try. Okay, maybe. Amy, you want to give it a go? Duncan Mucklin. Mm, closer, but still no cigar. Duncan Mucklin. It's a uh, proper Northern Irish pronunciation. Oh, yes. I, I always get my Northern Irish and Southern Irish pronunciations mixed <laughs> up. It's, <laughs> it's an issue for us uh, over here. Well, welcome, Duncan. <laughs> so you well, work... You work for Avanti, and and what is your title, and and what do you actually do? Uh, My title is Principal Security Engineer, and I do basically a lot of evangelism of our security suite and uh, focus pretty much exclusively around the patch management space. So spend a lot of time on the road uh, in front of customers and at conferences and music groups throughout the U.S. and Europe. Okay, great. All right, Duncan, let's get to know you. So you live in Houston, and you have a barbecue company on the side. Is that right? Yeah, I do. Uh, And I live in Midtown Houston, uh, just outside of downtown, a very eclectic neighborhood. and yeah, I love barbecue. And a couple of years ago, I set up Squeal Whole Hog Barbecue on the side. You know, everybody here is pretty much into Texas beef, and you know, there's a saturation of you know beef barbecue all throughout the state. And I decided to just carve out a little niche and focus on whole hog barbecue using a La Tahachina type. Uh, roasting box, if you will, that I can do a 70-pound or so dressed hog in about five and a half, six hours. Okay, nice. So if I decide at 10 o'clock in the morning that I'm going to have a whole bunch, I'm going to have 70 people over around uh, around about five, you can bring us <laughs> wonderful barbecue. <laughs> Absolutely. And even uh, include my 13 herb and spice secret dry rub. Then now let's play Would You Rather. Amy, why don't you hit Duncan up with a Would You Rather? Would you rather oh, have barbecue ice cream or barbecue coffee? Ooh, barbecue ice cream or barbecue coffee. I've had bacon flavored ice cream, so that's pretty close. Let's go with the coffee. Start my day off right. No, that's. <laughs> That's the wrong answer. (laughs) Normally, would you rather doesn't have a right and wrong answer. (laughs) I think this time I'm just going to say that's wrong. Okay, so third-party patching. This is a huge issue. It's a big challenge for a lot of companies dealing with with server and endpoint management. What is third-party patching? Uh, Third-party patching would be anything... Software-wise, and actually, you know, 
when we take a, a step back, software or hardware, because obviously we also have firmware updates, etc. But it's basically anything that's not directly associated with Microsoft that needs to be updated on a frequent basis to patch known vulnerabilities in those applications or hardware, firmware, uh, driver packages. Okay. And why is it so challenging? Why is this so hard? Well, the difficulty comes in the fact that while we have a very well-honed process for most organizations today dealing with the Microsoft updates. You know, we've had 14 years since the Trustworthy Computing Initiative and the Patch Tuesday that followed. You know, to be able to establish those frameworks and have all the, you know, cogs in place, whether if these organizations are used in WSOS or SCCM slash config manager, uh, or if they're just you know, downloading the updates individually, you know, whatever process, they've had it long enough to be able to deal with that and have it down packed, so to speak. With the third-party updates, you know, this is something that's fairly new for us over the past few years because so many applications today are now cloud-enabled, right? We can't even have something like a Notepad replacement, something like Notepad++ or Evernote without having that cloud connectivity for storage of those files. And of course, what does that do? It opens up an attack surface, right? So part of the problem is the sheer volume of applications, knowing what's out in the environment, knowing what needs to be patched, and then simply having the man hours and the cycles to be able to deal with it. By the time most companies get one update, you know, downloaded, tested against multiple platforms, different browsers, their lines of business applications, etc. Get a package correctly, tested it, and deployed it. Guess what? The next update's already come out, and they're having to lather, rinse, and repeat this process over and over again with dozens of vendors to be able to keep these uh, endpoints secure. So it's just a constant challenge for them to be able to even know that these vulnerabilities exist, that there is a patch out there to be able to access the patch, test it, and deploy it. You know, okay. it, it's so, just a constant <clears throat> struggle. Right, right, right. So it's a lot of applications, and you have a lot of users. Uh, and even even assuming it's a locked-down environment where nobody gets to install an application that doesn't have permission from IT, they're still getting a ton of applications. As you point out, even like your little note-taking applications could wind up having their own implications around you know, how are you going to update it? When's it updated? There are security vulnerabilities in pretty much anything. So just keeping track of what every everybody has is critical and probably not done right in a lot of companies. And then figuring out what needs to be updated when, because that's like happening throughout the day, every day. And then on top of that, figuring out how are you actually going to do that, right? Because some of those things you're not going to be easily rolling out from a centralized IT perspective. Am I missing anything else in there? No, I think you're hitting the nail on the head. Amy, what are the challenges? Have you run into challenges in third-party patching that might expand on that list the, a little? Yeah, the biggest question that I often had brought up back in my admin days when trying to explain patching uh, to a business unit or get permission for patching for something specialized was, well, 
it doesn't apply to us. Why do we have to patch? Yeah, and unfortunately, we see this across the board with home users, which unfortunately end up helping spread a lot of these malwares. But ultimately, if you look at something like the two most recent outbreaks that occurred, WannaCry and Petya, not Petya, um, both of those could have been easily prevented had organizations been doing the things that they need to do to protect themselves and put in the correct uh, defensive measures and offensive measure, measures into place. But this mentality of, oh, it won't happen to me, I don't have anything worth you know, stealing, we're not a target-type organization, that's complete bollocks, and it needs to be addressed immediately. We can no longer just put these blunders on and act like, you know, it's not applicable. I'll give you an example. We had an oil and gas customer here, well, a prospect here in Houston, 18,000 employees, global organization, but really weren't doing anything around third-party patching. I told the organization, you know what, just hand me over. We have a bilateral NDA in place. Hand me over your asset intelligence A01 report from configuration manager. I took that report, scrubbed it from anything that I could easily detect being in line of business application or drivers, these kinds of things, and any applications that we did not support in our third-party patching catalog. What that left me is essentially everything that could be patched with our solution, and I'm not pitching what we're doing, I'm just showing the the relevance here. Those 18,000 endpoints generated over 300,000 different attack surfaces that we would be able to patch with our solution. How can you possibly sit there and say it's not applicable to me? I guarantee you any organization that has a computer connected to the internet, I will find vulnerabilities and attack surfaces that should wow. be patched. So just to recap here, you said 18,000 computers, because they weren't doing third-party patching well, had uh, over 300,000 vulnerabilities, which makes sense, because one failed patch could be anywhere from one to 10 vulnerabilities, or who knows, right? So that can multiply Absolutely. really quickly. Exactly. Exactly. So what are security, like configuration manager has security configuration baselines. Can those be used to help with this? Is there a basic thing there people could be doing? Absolutely. And that's one of the things when I speak at user groups around the country, specific to uh, system center, that's one of the things that I really do focus on is helping these organizations you know, get more value from what they already own, right? So there's so many things that we can do using Configuration Manager to help improve the organization's security posture. One of the things that I am a huge proponent of is using the security compliance baselines. Now, you can go through and set these up very quickly. Uh, For example, you know, when WannaCry hit, we knew that there was a patch available for that particular attack vector going against, uh, you know, the SMBV1 
protocol, you know, some almost 30 year old protocol that nobody should be using today. But Microsoft did provide a patch. That patch was MS17010, right? Now, it is so easy to be able to create a baseline with a CI that looks for that to be installed. All you have to do is right click, create a new baseline, or excuse me, configuration item, and then expand it out to where you're selecting the dropdown for software updates. And then you just start drilling through, selecting Microsoft, and then, you know, uh, searching for that 17. Uh, 010 update. And right there, you have that CI configured. You can add it to it, any existing baselines or just create a new one with it and target whatever collection you're looking for. Then what ends up happening is on the local systems, you have immediate recording within the configuration manager control panel applet underneath the configurations tab. But you also get the roll up of your overall security posture as it relates to that particular update for the organization, depending upon which collection you targeted. Now, okay, so I'm going to, when gonna, you, okay, I'm going to up level that just a little bit for some of us who are a little less technical, okay. which is really me, you and Amy are very technical, but um, so essentially with these, security configuration baselines you're identifying what needs to be there and then you're able to mm -hmm. query and see do these machines have what needs to be there and then you can identify the ones that don't and then separately you would initiate an action to go and remediate those is that correct yes exactly uh so the compliance baselines you can have remediation tasks uh that are performed and I do this quite a bit for different things that I want to set up for security purposes on those endpoints. But you are right. You would have to first um, build the baseline with a configuration item, target a collection with it, get the results back, and then take some kind of action. Now, that action can also be automated. The results of their uh, pass or fail of that compliance baseline could be what populates another collection that you're targeting with a recurring advertisement that's basically pushing out that update or making whatever changes you want to that system configuration. I see, which would be pretty limited for complex things, but for something as simple as making sure people have this patch. I forget the number you gave there for uh, for, for WannaCry Pet. You're getting essentially the eternal blue vulnerabilities, right? The uh, That patch, right. that would be an easy thing to, to deal with with a configuration item. Does that make sense to you, Amy? Have you used these configuration baselines yourself? So I've used configuration baselines, yeah, uh, but in my career, I was always told to just kind of stay away from the security things that config manager could do because it didn't do it very well in the past. Um, so I don't have okay. a lot of good things to say. <laughs> okay, interesting. Well, so then I... <clears throat> I guess let's uh, let's ask us uh, if we're talking about configuration manager. It has the SCUP tool, which I know that hasn't been updated since 2011, and recently has a new interface and possibly some new capabilities. What is the what is your experience with that as well? I guess I'll first ask you, Amy, and then Duncan. Uh, what's my experience with uh, SCUP? Yeah. 
Well, as I said just a second ago, uh, just around thinking about uh, baselines, is that I was, I was just taught to never patch with Config Manager. Um, I know that SCUP was kind of abandoned for a while, and now it's been revamped again, and it's supposed to be really good, but I was always told by people above me to, to never use, use this solution. Uh, so sadly, I, I don't have any experience with it. Well, that's fine. I mean, that that is pretty interesting, though. I mean, it was essentially the higher-ups your organization were like, stay away from this for now. And who knows, right? It could be better now that it's there. Duncan, what's your experience with these things or your assessment? You know, I have to be honest. Uh, I've always said that stuff sucks, plain and simple. Um, Number one, you're right, Bill. It has had zero attention since 2011. Uh, Microsoft developed it with the hopes that the ISC community or you know, independent software vendors would get on board and you know adopt their catalog strategy and provide updates that could be consumed by Scuf and then imported into WSUS. Unfortunately, uh, only Adobe got on board as a software vendor. There are three others in the catalog, but they're all hardware vendors, Dell, HP, Fujitsu. And what Microsoft's planning is the integration of that SCUP functionality into the SACM admin console. Unfortunately, they're still dependent on the vendors getting on board and providing cat files with the necessary metadata and updates. I don't see anything changing significantly in the months or years ahead for these vendors to, to go through that effort. They have their own publishing strategies and yeah. methods right now. And I just, I'm all for it. I'm all for anything that helps improve the security posture of these organizations. I just don't know if this is going to get the foothold that they're hoping for. And it's still okay. a very manual process. All right. So even even with the newer solution, you're still depending on vendors to sort of provide provide information in a way that's going to allow SCUP to use it. And, and that's not happening now. And whether or not it happens in the future remains to be seen. But unless it does, it's not going to be a, a ubiquitously useful tool for third-party patching. Is that a fair assessment? Exactly. Okay, let's talk about some best practices. So these are the limitations of Config Manager. You're still maintaining endpoints. Um, just looking at a baseline here without getting into advanced uh, third-party solutions, which I know Avanti has something, and we want to hear about that in a minute. But without regard to special tools, what are, what are some good best practices people should apply? Well, first and foremost, uh, somebody in the organization has to be responsible for being the recipient of vulnerability notifications, right? There has to be a channel of calm for receiving those types of alerts so that they can start down that process of what Amy was talking about earlier, determine the applicability, right? So first, 
and foremost, that's one of the things. If so they're going to handle the third party. <clears throat> yeah, instead of just like letting everybody duck, because frankly, I could see the temptation to duck on that one. <laughs> I don't want to own this, but somebody needs to step up and say, okay, I'm going to track all the vulnerabilities and I'll be responsible for getting the company aware of what they need to be doing. You know, they may not be able to make everything happen, but tracking it and getting the word out about what's important and, and prioritizing probably, right? Absolutely. You know, so that's part of that applicability determination, you know, is seeing, okay, uh, I have a high applicability rate for a very low uh, rated, you know, update versus, you know, I might have a lower count, but a much higher risk with this particular update. That's the one I need to focus on first and foremost. And that's just part of that. Uh, determining the applicability. And actually, you know, since we've mentioned this, on my blog, windowsecurity.tips, yep. there's a, an article that really addresses this whole conversation that we're having right now. It's titled Third-Party Patching Addressing the Other 85% of Vulnerabilities. Okay, nice. And, and that's vendor a, neutral. <laughs> Sorry, could you just say that URL one more time? Because it sounded like you're, uh, you had a dot tips in there. Yeah, I do. It's, it, I thought that was a great new domain site. Okay. Yeah, but it's Windows WindowsSecurity.tips, and uh, yeah, it just you can search there. Okay, good. Yeah, actually. so people can and get more information one. there. The um, let's kind of want to summarize here. So, number one, we talked about earlier. You've got to track everything that's out there, software-wise. You've got to be able to figure out what needs updates. You need somebody who owns tracking those vulnerabilities, and then you're going to need to think about how are you maintaining compliance, how are you getting it out there. Um, Amy, what do you see, like at an admin type level? What kind of questions come up for you? that might be uh, important to think about when you're looking at best practices? Well, the question that I always got asked was, who's patched and who's not and why? Um, and really, who's, whose job is it this month or this week or whenever to, to patch? Is this your job, Amy? Is this someone else's job on the help desk? Who's doing this, uh, this manual process? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that goes back to what Duncan was saying, because I can see, like, it, it's just an easy one to want to duck, right? Like, well, if I get these, if I take, <laughs> there will be no end to things that I need to do and that are really important for the company. That uh, So that sounds really like the number one thing I'm hearing from both of you is somebody needs to own this. Somebody needs to be on yes. top of it. Mm-hmm. So, and that's both from a tactical and strategic. So tactical is, you know, SecOps, typically. And strategic, this seems to be coming from the CISO level down. There needs to be executive sponsorship for this strategic security approach within the organization and supporting, you know, the, the actual you know, ones okay. in the trenches that are having to do it from an operational perspective. 
Right. So, the, yeah, it needs to be made clear that somebody's given time and resources to do this, and that requires executive buy-in. Uh, okay, great. So now, before we break, I want to hear about Avanti. I know you guys offer something. There's a lot of products out there that will help with third-party patching, and Avanti has uh, a solution or solutions as well. Can you kind of give us some bullet points about what Avanti offers there? Yeah, sure. Before I do, Bill, let me just help everyone understand because Avanti may sound like a new name, a new player, but we're actually a new entity, but 30 year history and about 27 of those have been around patching. So Avanti was formed in January as part of the heat software and land desk merger. Now on the heat side, we had acquired a number of years ago the Patchlink company. Patchlink existed 27 years ago, long before Patch Tuesday, and was doing these kinds of updates for other organizations. So we're very deep okay, history good, good. Yeah, so You've been at this for a long time. And what's the current solution that you guys offer? To that point, we go to the Landest side, who also had Shablin. Right, so now we have Patchlink and Shabbat products coming together as a Monty patch for FCCM. It is a native plugin into the console, so our content once once you've configured our little piece inside of the console, our content for third-party patches show up just like a Microsoft update. So there's no separate client agent. There's no added infrastructure. There's not a separate console. Your people with their skills and whatever you've already set up for your patching framework will plug right into because we're treated exactly like a Microsoft update. So your ADRs or automatic deployment rules we can plug into. So you could set it and forget it for things like Flash Player or what have you. Uh, the baselines that we talked about earlier and being able to select a new software update Microsoft, well, our stuff shows up inside of that as well. And then if you look at things like the reporting and think what you want about configuration manager reporting, but it is what it is. We tie into that. So if you think about, you know, the software update reports, there's a particular one by vendor month, year and day. That's a perfect uniform single pane of glass for your entire security posture. You could use that as a monthly report for both Microsoft and third-party updates or do it like an annual report for auditors, etc. Okay, Even so essentially, I'm sorry, go ahead, go ahead, and then I had a question for you. Yeah, just let me finish this one yeah. little part. Mm -hmm. More important, get the managers off of your backs, right? Set up SQL reporting services on the back end with a subscription to an email alias that goes out to whoever needs to know on a monthly, weekly, whatever basis, what your patch status is. And we'll tie into that just as well as your Microsoft update. So you you guys go out and figure out what are all the updates from these third-party applications and then feed that into Configuration Manager in the way that it normally looks at updates as though they were from Microsoft. Is that right? Am I, am I understanding that correctly? Yes, you are. So we have about 300 vendors and their products in our catalog totaling thousands of different applications that we're actually supporting. We go through the entire build 
test validation process in a multi-tiered and mostly automated SCCM lab environment. And then we provide the metadata and binaries uh, that synchronize with their configuration manager software update point role. All right, fantastic. And and <clears throat> we're pretty much out of time here, so I want to ask you, where is a URL that people can go to get more information about that solution from you guys? Obviously, Avanti.com. Yeah, just hit the products tab, and it's listed patch for SCCM underneath security. Patch for SCCM from Avanti. All right, well, Duncan, thank you so much for your time. Amy, it has been, <laughs> it has been a joy as always. I, uh, I'm still, unfortunately, have memory of the moment where Duncan chose barbecue-flavored coffee. Ice cream I could have dealt with. <laughs> Poor Duncan. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I bye, know. Guys. No love. Thanks a lot. Bye. All right. Take care. Thank you Thanks, so much guys. for having me. Thanks, guys.